Oh my God. Thank you. <laughs> artificial intelligence, Siri lady, please spare me when the <laughs> yeah. robot uprising happens. I am, I, I had to, I got into a fight with my Google assistant today. <laughs> I'm like, I'm that guy. <laughs> Just FYI. Not now. Not now. Just that's for what? Like this. She's like, I will stop helping. <laughs> she gives me this passive aggressive response. Yeah. yeah. Wait. So that would be my mom's voice then. <laughs> yeah. We're diving in. Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Hey there, this is the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast, and I'm your host, Norm. And on this episode, we're going to check out some games of late. We're going to see what's trending on BGG. We're going to have a look at what's new and what's on the crowdfunding scene. And this episode's a topic episode, and the topic is the game of storytelling. And to help tell that story are Fajer L. Casey and Eric Jensen from the Bard Quest Empire Podcast. Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They're the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories' amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. Hey there, welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. Let's get to some games of late. And I'm going to keep this short and sweet because I know that we've got a lot of storytelling to talk about storytelling. And uh, so, tied in with that theme... Uh, I had to the table Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, and uh, appropriately following the theme of storytelling, this is probably as, as uh, close as I've gotten uh, to playing D&D in a tabletop version game. Now, uh, what I love about D&D is that collaborative experience of storytelling and the interchange between the individuals at the table creating this narrative. But uh, in Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion, it approaches the aspect of what I, what I love about that game system from Dungeons and Dragons is that Gloomhaven still providing a narrative generated by uh, the, narr- uh, the cards and the, the, uh, the in between the skirmishes, you have some narrative to follow to set up the next skirmish or the next puzzle, depending on how you want to approach this game. But uh, before I get deep into it, or not deep, but uh, before I get into any details, um, this is designed by uh, Isaac Childress and Cephalofair Games. It is uh, the, now again, uh, the, the original, the, the, the preceder, I guess we can call that, is uh, Gloomhaven. And this game, in comparison, as far as box volume goes, Jaws of the Lion is 
25% of the box size of the original Gloomhaven, which has uh, an IKEA catalog of scenarios. Now, uh, a more approachable version created for the Target or the Target shelves is uh, Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. All of the system interchangeable. You can take everything you have from Jaws of the Lion, bring it into the Gloomhaven, the characters. Uh, so there's no, there's, there's no domain difference. It's all, uh, you know, you can fuse it together. So quick rundown of this. I mentioned a few things that might pique your interest. Uh, a skirmish, puzzle. Um, so this is a miniature game. The great thing about Jaws of the Lion is that the map system, now the, the, big, the, the bigger version of this game has a little bit of, a little bit, it has quite a, an extensive table setup. And uh, as far as putting the map tiles in, what Jaws of the Lion does, it's a, it's a book. And every time you open up the page to the next scenario, the map or the, the, the grid system of the dungeon or the, the room or the environment you're in is on the, on, in the board, uh, in the book itself. So you have the narrative scenario of the setup, you have the explanation of the objectives, and uh, then off you go. And what this game did for me was open up an idea from a, from a design perspective that in Dungeons and Dragons, the computer is the D20 system and all the other, you know, D4, D6, D8 for, for damage dice. But uh, essentially, the computer is a, a D20. And then the character choices or the, asynchro the asynchronous choices that you select with your character to be able to mitigate that die roll. Now... In Jaws of the Lion, you have cards that, instead of rolling a dice, you get to mitigate every situation by the selection of the choices in your hand. You pick two cards. You do now. It's one of these one of these ideas where the it's a it's multifunctional cards where there's a top and a bottom. And when you pick the two cards, you have to decide. And not necessarily then, but when you perform your actions, you have to do the top or bottom of one card and the opposite choice on the other card. So if you choose the top on the first uh, uh, action, you have to choose the bottom on the second action. Typically, the bottom is movement. Not all the time, though. Characters are so asynchronous. It's awesome. And uh, so long story short, each scenario comes down to how you efficiently manage your hand because as you proceed into the scenario, your cards are, in fact, the timer of this scene and you have health points so you could perish <laughs> as I've done many times well before you uh, finish the scenario now yeah I have I, I've have so much fun with this game it gives me uh, on a solo experience what I appreciate from from the uh, and I'm always going to come back because this is kind of a D&D &D, uh, RPG connected theme with the uh, uh, the series or this trilogy I'm kind of um putting together. So yeah, I have so much fun with this game because it is uh, uh, an interesting cognitive puzzle. It is skirmish. It is uh, narratively story driven. And uh, those are all big checkpoints for me. So yeah, that's what I've been playing recently. Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, designed by Isaac Childress and published by Cephalofair Games. Thank you.
This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. Hey there, you're back. I'm Norm and this is Cardboard Conjecture and let's check out what be trending as far as BGG's concerned. And I am very proud to see that Mind Management, the Psychic Espionage Game published by Off The Page Games and designed by Senfun Lim and Jay Cormier. Uh, I have this feeling that this is part of the shut up and sit down algorithm because just recently, Shut Up and Sit Down did a review, a fantastic review and uh, a very, very positive review because this is, I'm going to come out on a limb here, conjecture. No, not conjecture. This is solid fact for me. This is my favorite hidden movement game. Point final. That's it. Bang. There you go. Um, what this game is, just to share with everybody why this is trending, it's trending because it's awesome. Okay. Um, it's based on the IP of the Matt Kent um, uh, uh, graphic novel series that I've not read yet, but I understand uh, it is pretty fantastic. Now, what first drew me in was the box cover and the art style. Uh, absolutely fantastic. It, uh, it had, for me, I might be showing my age here, but for me, it looked like one of those vintage Sears catalogs as far as the, the character art goes. And then you juxtapose this with uh, some crazy cerebral, uh, psychic, uh, visual, Salvador Dali-esque inf- uh, 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 imagery that uh, is, is fused into this. And uh, um, yeah, it's so fantastic. Now, here's the cool thing. They um, had the opportunity to talk to Jay Ensen on this, this game and its design methodology and uh, was entertained uh, on the story uh, that Jay, um, I think Jay Ensen both touched on this story when they went to playtest this, that the uh, few playtesters uh, of, of uh, designers um, that came back to them said, this is such a great game, but you nearly broke our brains. So what they did is they said, okay, well, let's, from a teacher's perspective, this is what's called scaffolding. Let's bring it back show you the foundation of the system and then add a little bit at a time so that the it's it's not like a fire hose learning methodology where yeah you turn the fire hose on and here comes the info and hope you absorb some of it uh, this game slowly allows you to open up you know take the governor off that engine open up put a puck, couple pistons on that engine or you know a nos kit and uh, what uh, I mean, I'm not really saying anything, but everything about it. What it does, every time the game's finished, and it's a hidden movement game, so it's cat-mouse thing, every time it's finished, whoever loses the game it gets to open up a box. And this box gives you a little bit more advantage or a little bit of width into your choices or powers or abilities. And that uh, allows this... 
this equalization of the game so that the game still is intense for both sides. And of course, if the losing side now wins, well, the other side gets to open up a box and you see this leapfrogging as you're learning the game and ascending the beauty of the depth of this game. Uh, It might come across that I don't really have any feelings about this, but yeah, I'm a big fan. So uh, yeah, it's trending for a purpose. If you have not played it, find a way to play it. Uh, If you have it, tell people how awesome this game is because it is. So yeah, trending for a good reason. Mind Management, the psychic espionage game from... Published by Off the Page Games and designed by Senfun Lim and Jake Cormier. Let's have a quick look at what's new. And I already know what's new because it's in my library. The expansion for Dune Empyrean, Rise of Ix. I hope I'm saying that properly. Um, it is the expansion to the uh, Dire Wolf games that's designed by Paul Denon. And if you... If it's kind of clicking, yes, these are. This is the team. This is the connection. This is the uh, the powerhouse that created Clank and Clank in space. I'm doing that because there's exclamation points on you know on the words, so I'm trying to you know be respectful. And um, so yeah, Dune: Rise of X. What this is is going to be more problems for me because uh, I love this game and I love this because. I get beat up by everybody in this game, but I, every game I learn just a little bit more. And I think what I'm learning is that I'm not grokking this game fast enough as everybody else. No, I'm just joking. Um, fantastic game. If you love Clank, the, the same DNA is found in this game. Now, a lot of people, uh, when this came out, there was another game that they compared it to because it uses a, a kind of a, a fused system of worker placement and card drafting right Uh, and the other game that did that is the lost runes of arnak but that's like saying that uh because a car has an engine and a truck has an engine that they're both the same vehicle no they're just different okay um now this one from what i understand it allows you uh, a different aspect of because the spice must flow this game is all about resources and control and and a race to a certain amount of hit points uh, hit points, haha, <laughs> uh, victory points, and uh, I'm so thinking of D&D still, and uh, so what this is, uh, adds another aspect, you change, there's a little bit of a board adaptation or, or, or changeover, and you're, you're taking the spice off the planet, now, I haven't really gone into it much, because uh, I'm still trying to get, you know, you know, find success in the, bo- the base game, um, so yeah, of course, I had to pick this up, had to because it's new so dune rise of x let's take a quick moment to see what's on the crowdfunding scene and i am happy to see that thunder road vendetta maximum chrome is on kickstarter and it's published by restoration games and if you know about restoration games they go back into the past of games that have been forgotten and are unpublished and revamp them give them a give them a little bit of a of a uh, this old house work over and the team uh, involved in this the team of designers involved in this this old house this old board game work over is uh, of course Rob Davio Justin Jacobson 
and uh, Dave Chalker, Noah Cohen, and I'm going to find, here we go, Brett Myers and Brian Neff. I hope I pronounced them properly. But a big team involved in putting this out. And uh, just to give you a quick overview, um, this is, uh, 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 it says, this edition puts all of the gameplay extras in one big foil stamped box. So you've got extra ammo, uh, big red uh, vehicles, carnage at Devil's, uh, at Devil's Run. So it looks like this is a uh, race game. And as I said before, I, I've never um, seen this, I've never played this game in the past or I've never seen um, this title, but f for me, uh, Restoration Games has been doing such a great job, first of all, picking the games that they want to uh, have a new look at, and secondly, the, the production value. They, they have great product, bottom line. So I will continue to track this and do my own homework and, and discover if this is a game for me. Now, the first thing that I see, again, uh, it's, I call it the pandemic asterisk because uh, I've, I've had to be a solo player. This plays two to six players. It says it plays 45 to 75 minutes, 10 and up. And uh, to me, it sounds like a pretty cool um, family game or, you know, hits that market uh, uh, chunk. And uh, six players. That gets a lot of people at the table. So, yeah, Thunder Road. Vendetta Maximum Chrome. Hi. If you like the content we're creating and the podcast episodes we're producing, please leave a happy rating on the podcast platform that you use. This would be such a great gift and would also help others find our podcast when they search for Board Game Podcasts. And if you have the time, check out the YouTube channel. Just search Cardboard Conjecture. Thanks, eh? And welcome back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. I am fired up for this segment because it's been a long time in the planning. And uh, so what it is, the topic is the game of storytelling. And uh, the way I always like to present some of this stuff is, is uh, I love James Lipton on how he would prepare himself for an interview and create thesis ideas. And this, for me, the game of storytelling, my, what I want to ask the question of and have answered is, why is it that most lasting and powerful gaming memories I have come from storytelling-based games? Now, I'm not just talking RPGs. I'm talking board games as well. And the advent of this new modern board game uh, uh, renaissance, there are a lot of uh, narratively driven storytelling-based games that don't necessarily have a quantifiable result of success, but more so the qualitative part. So here to help me answer these questions are uh, Eric Jensen and uh, Fager Al Casey um, from uh, hello, hello. Bard Hi. Quest Empire podcast. Hey, so, yeah, gentlemen. thank you for having us. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. It's, yeah, it's nice. What a great it's question. Nice to, it's nice to be in a place where my tangents can fulfill your wildest dreams. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay, hang on. Where's it's my a great, It's a great question. Wait, 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 you wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Phaedra, do you, do you have some thoughts? Uh, well, before we get started, I mean, 
tell, tell us who you are. Like the, the, the people who are listening, give us an intro and some backstories before we get into answering this deep question. Sure. Right. Okay. Go ahead, Eric. You go first. Oh no, you, you got, you're, you oh, guys no, should roll you, the no, D20. No, no, you should roll the D20. All right. All right. I'll go. I'll go. I'll take initiative. I am. I, my name is Phaedra Casey. I am an actor and a uh, voiceover artist and uh, a, sometimes writer and unlike storyteller and exploring all the aspects of that. And I run this podcast with my good friend, Eric Jensen, where we talk about the intersection of D and D and storytelling. So what that means is we often interview uh, a lot of people who are in the biz, the showbiz field, but also happen to play. And there's a lot of overlap in those things where the Venn diagram of like people who storytell or who have that experience and who wound up kind of doing it for a living is, is actually, now we're coming to find is surprisingly large. And can just, can you reframe the question for me again? Just why is, what why is, is the, the why is it lasting? so much so yeah. lasting? Yeah. Right. You know, for me, I think it's because stories are how we remember. I don't know about you, but like we talked a little bit about singing and songwriting at the yeah. top of the thing, but like songs are stories yeah. and it's not a, coincidence or uh, an accident that a lot of learning when you're doing it is done in song form, right? It's a simple story. It rhymes, it often loops. It It's like, it hammers in the lesson. And yeah. in a way, like the more complex the learning, the more complex the story can be and the more room there is for like, oh, wait, there's more gray area here or more nuance. And I think that's why these role-playing games are so good at that because they have room for that and the personal experience. So like, it feels like it's me having that mm, lesson cool. or having that experience rather than, oh, it's a game I'm playing yeah. and I'm detached from it. I don't know. I, I For me, and I, I'll speak to like the most lasting memories I have from Eric's game. Eric's run a game that I've been for the last four years now. It's been four wow. years. Four, yeah. Like. yeah, about four years. Nuts. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, the, the, forever, that, I'm like, the forever DM. <laughs> is it homegrown or do you like kind of take campaigns and then use a little bit of that, kind of use it as a, 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 a structure and then just do what you want with it kind of thing? Or Well, well I mean, in terms of playing with somebody like Phaedra, you never get to do what you want. <laughs> there's what you'd Agents like to do chaos. and what happens. Um, but no, there's there's what you plan for and what Phaedra pulls out of his ass and you're just like, oh my God, how am I going to deal uh, with this? But oh. that's the joy of it too. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, it's the improvisational I'm, like and the left out of left field idea that like, and like often that's the Thing that I remember. It's like this thing that we thought was going to be straightforward, but like, oh, remember that time that I like, like when cows pulled dropped. the right yes. when cows <laughs> dropped out of the air. Or uh, my favorite one was somehow I got a hold of a deck of uh, what was it called? Deck of many deck things. Of many things. Yep. A deck of many things. Oh. My character got a hold of a deck of many things, <laughs> but was like really scared of using it himself. Uh, in the game because just he was like spooked by magic. I played this like no nonsense rogue, not a lot of like until he got to like a place where he was like seasoned. He was like, no, no, fuck this shit. But he would barter with it and he would, you remember this when I got yeah. like the, the sort of fence for the thieves guild in his world to like pull a card that lowered his intelligence and then like cascaded into like this, this, this story dominoes into the universe that like, I was just like, oh my God, yes. I, I did that? <laughs> that was the, amazing. The whole thing fell apart. And I, you, was, can you explain it a little bit? I, the, well, the, the, the shopkeeper was like the keeper of a pet. You go ahead, Eric. Well, it's, I mean, it, it's, it's, I mean, first of all, what was great about it was the surprise, was that this deck of many things the that we have, which is, which is a game, 
is yeah. is 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 about to reveal something that wasn't going to be revealed until like four or five games later in some situation or anything. So it magnifies things. I mean, you know, my wife teaches storytelling at Juilliard, and um, she can explain this much better than I can. But her her basic thing is that storytelling is really a matter of survival. And and in in saying that we tell she tells the story of like two cave people who are like hanging around the fire, and one says, "Hey, Grok." The other one says, what, and, you know, um, like, let's go over there and get some food. So they go over to get some food and there's a, there's a saber toothed tiger and the saber toothed <laughs> tiger eats rock. So, you know, uh, the other cave person has to come back from this and tell the story to the whole tribe or else, or else, you know, somebody else is going to get eaten. So it, I, I think that's, I think that's no pet some stories, pointy cat. Some stories still Start live in that place, cat, you know, that, that, <laughs> yeah, right, that speak yeah. to the most base part of our, our brain. And I, I mean, we're hardwired for that. So we've elaborated on it over the centuries and we've gotten really, really, really good at it. And, and fairy tales I mean, come yeah. in those two flavors, basically like, OK, there's like bunny foo foo and he goes off into this enchanted land and meets like all these magical creatures and like mm -hmm. has a lot of fun. But there's also the cautionary tale fairy tale or like don't go off the path. Where spirits will get you, where bears will yeah, get you, where yeah, totally. tiger or this Hansel or and Gretel. You, Hansel you just, and Gretel is oh, that's a dysfunctional family, and they were definitely. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I think that's there's some incest in that. That. that pool. Oh, God. Good lord. <laughs> this is what he means. It, I take it, it to it the back left, left the turn. Field. Left yeah. turn. So I mean. Let's let's go off of what Eric <laughs> talked about. I mean, with the whole caveman stuff, because I I've got this idea, kind of us mm -hmm. to bounce from era or peer, you know, uh, essence to essence kind of thing. And uh, let's start, yeah, where you talked about oral to written histories. And uh, the first thing I got of is the, the Alaska cave paintings, right? Mm -hmm. Where where you just described a situation where without language, how do you do that? Well, I'm going to draw you the picture of what happened to Grog, right? Mm -hmm. um, totally. And, and yeah. the basis to me being a high school educator, and as I mentioned to Phaedra Pryor, um, I have my master's degree in instructional design and educational technology. So uh -huh. I see learning structure in everything. And right. from my point of view, with what you just described uh, uh, from that, that story template is the three levels is to entertain, inform, and educate. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, From mm -hmm. that survival aspect. Right. And right. You want entertain to be in there so that information gets across and uh, educate can yeah. be more effective and all that. It's all like this working together. I, I don't yeah. remember any of the BBCs that had that tone to advance the slide, but I do remember really cool history channels with 3D graphics. Right. So, well, well that's my thing. I'm a I'm a I'm a really like I'm a really happy Buddhist most of the time, except when you ask me about <laughs> Buddhism and this philosophy or that philosophy philosophy, what's always appealed to me are the stories. Yeah. And the stories are about, you know, a cautionary tale, you know, you run into a stranger and you won't give them a place to sleep and they go next door, turns out the next day they were the Buddha. You know, like, yeah, that's that tale. I thought you were supposed to kill the Buddha if you met him on the road. Ah, very interesting. <laughs> I, that book confused me. That book confused me yeah. a great deal. But the story is you should be generous to others. You should be generous to others with less. You know, you should be generous with your heart. And those are really important things just for humanity's survival. You know, it's one of the reasons that in the United States, anyway, now they're burning all these books is because people don't want their children to develop empathy. 
in developing real empathy, empathy for each other, we usurp systems that have been in place for hundreds of years. I mean, it's the reason that, you know, totalitarian societies go after the artists and the storytellers just, just about first or second when they yeah. take over. Because storytelling is, is an empathy machine, right? It's yeah, like the whole absolutely. premise is you're going to put yourself in the position of another person living this experience and you live vicariously through that and you either learn what they learn or don't. And then uh, backing hmm. that up is that idea of, uh, if you want to make an impact, you start when they're young. So this I, Aesop's fables, right? Mm -hmm. And all of these uh, uh, abilities to interject through storytelling uh, at pivotal developmental moments, you know, mm. uh, adolescence, you, there's always a big push on, on at least from the media, to um, convince them of a story, uh, like in social media or advertisement, um, that if, for just the manipulation part, and, yeah, well, um, the skill can be used for good or evil. That's, yeah. the, that's the problem. Yeah. You know? It's the force and, of it right there, right? Yeah. 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 And so the, um, I guess what, for, for that idea of like oral history to written history, what are you guys thinking about? Like we started off, you know, painting pictures on caves, but now we're able to have story through a Zoom, through a screen. Does that, does that technology enhance or interfere or you know it's like you were saying it's it's the three things that stories do and like you know it's interesting you mentioned the Lascaux paintings because those those guys were really good art we're both illustrators me and Eric as well mm -hmm. so those guys we, we also know about those guys as artists and yeah. there's like uh you know there's this myth that perspective drawing didn't happen until like the 18th century right but like you look at some of these cave drawings and there's actually some that move if you mm. if you like play light on them a certain way, the way they're drawn. So there's evidence of prehistoric animation, animation. techniques, which yeah. is crazy. And there's all these like detailed descriptors of like, oh, this is a bear. This is a saber toothed tiger. Right. Like so like what you're saying, educate, inform and entertain. And yeah. like the, that that drawing is telling the, the story of like. Grok, who got eaten by pointy, sharp toothed cat. Don't go don't go near the other bear. <laughs> don't be Grok. My, <laughs> my brain just went on Poor a Grok. tangent where I could see one caveman going up to looking at the picture going, but what's his motivation? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Why Grok go to bear? Mm. <laughs> caveman dramaturg. That's yeah. what we, that's caveman the episode. Dramaturg. Well, I mean, no, I can speak to- Cancel this. <laughs> <laughs> I can speak to, I can speak to this in an, in, a, in an odd sort of way. I mean, I'm a hyphenate. Uh, Phaedra and I are both actors. Phaedra is a, a really good writer. Um, uh, uh, and we met because I wrote a play that he was in. And um, our, our whole thing is about oral history. Jessica yeah. and I wrote this play called The Exonerated and have written other, what's called documentary theater things. Um, we have a, a new one now called Coal Country that's actually going back. You have kind up of a trilogy. Yeah, yeah, it's, it is. It's kind of a trilogy, too, yeah. and and broken it's, up with yeah. a comedy, which was Lester, right? Hey, oh, but well, that's but, not a comedy. Come yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tragedy. Yeah, um, but you know, the oral tradition is something that's mm -hmm. very important to us. What we do is we take that oral tradition, we transpose it, and we get, hand it to other people to tell the story. And I'm going to tell you something magical that happens: the people who are playing these people that they've never met. Um, and don't have any video of. Oh yeah, that they, was crazy. Oh, they become yeah. it gesturally. What they're saying starts to affect their body movements, and it mm -hmm. would freak me and Jess out because they would become the people that we talk to in their bodies, not just in their words. And that so, just took me back. Didn't someone at a talk back who knew Khalid 
knew your fixer was like, you kind of look like him. And I was yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of like we're doing the same stuff he was doing. That's was the like, power you know, of a word. Because I never I had, had a video yeah. or anything, but so the spoken yeah. word, it can be an incredibly powerful <laughs> thing. And it's important that we, you know, again, it's like you can't you can't burn a spoken word. Yeah. You know, you can you can take me out, but my 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 words will stay, you know, so. Yeah, that was uh, that was very Dylan esque. That was uh, you can't burn the spoken word. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing about telling other people's stories. You know? Yeah, like I mean, it's it's it happened to them, right? Let's and the whole point something. of a story is to go. Oh well, this happened to us. We empathize, you know. Anyway, let's 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 jump into the second part. Is uh, why why do we like or need to tell stories or play games that that create narrative? And I th- we've all we've danced around the answer, but let's let's approach it head on. Like what we w- talked about this on on our podcast, Eric. I mean, I think we've talked about it internally, but like I for me, I've, I've always understood it's it's a way to alleviate suffering. Games, right? Yeah. Right. It's it's like it's it's a way to like tolerate the 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 joyful suffering the the Buddhism of it that is yeah. life, but like also like you still get hungry and like as I understand it, like like the primitive villages and societies that gamed were like better equipped to survive famines and things like that because of their festivals or, or their gaming traditions, which is which is so amazing to me. Like like you can still be hungry, but because you have a game, because you're doing something, you're like eh. <laughs> well, by playing that, you know, I don't know if you've ever played the stones game where you move the stones in the little cups. Um, it's On a comma. game with stones and there's like eight cups. Yeah. And you, you, you play a game where you guys trade stones and stuff like that, but it's a way of keeping inventory. So this thing that was a very useful thing at one time, I'm going to keep inventory by putting this stone in here when I put an apple in here and I'll know how many apples yeah. I have. Well, that eventually turns into a different kind of storytelling, which is, you know, numbers. And Interpretation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, so um, I mean, it leads it leads to beautiful things. You know, I, I pulled sometimes out sometimes it my- even leads to Yelp reviews. Wasn't the first cuneiform like a Yelp review? <laughs> like Hashcam <laughs> transported eighteen of my goats and charged me for twenty. Would not this, recommend. This mud tasted terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. I Nobody swear- should ever. Three goats fell off the cart. (laughs) I do not recommend you use his services. He also charged me for bronze. I think this is true, by the way. I think the first like written word was like inventory and customer complaint. So like (laughs) the uh, one note I had in there too is is uh, in regards to the purpose of story storytelling was the need to embellish. (laughs) Yeah, and like kind of how. It I mean, gets and why and the story? The fish gets bigger yeah. and bigger. Well, I mean, let's I think go you back just to explain the religion. Let's go, also, let's go back That's to this cave of... person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, let's talk about let's talk about the other the other cave person who we haven't named. Um, you know, because we don't want to slander them. Yeah, but no. you know, like Brooke? over the years, Brooke. like the cave person's like, you know, yeah, give me that grapefruit, and I'll 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 tell you the story again. And the story just gets better and better and better because each time he tells it, he gets more grapefruit. I mean, that's basically being an actor. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a lot of grapefruit right now. (laughs) For your supper, add a dance number. Here's more grapefruit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Why grapefruit? I'm very curious about your choice of medieval, (laughs) not medieval, caveman nutritious. How I eat this sour bowl. (laughs) <laughs> I'm really invested in caveman barbarians. Uh, 
<laughs> also, I think the other caveman's name should be like Steve or something. Yes, Grok and Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that just sounds like a cool podcast. Yeah, okay, let's do it. Let's do Grok it. And Steve. As long as I don't have to produce it. Oh, and it well, can that's... be like the caveman discovering modern things and Steve explaining it to them. All right, we just pitched your next project. You've, you've just described my teaching profession. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? What, what is TikTok? we're not sure yet oh i have a teenage daughter and that's a great threat it's like if you don't do this i will post a tiktok video of me dancing all right exactly (laughs) why do you suppose that storytelling is working so well right yeah to flip that question because that is a storytelling medium it's just a weird storytelling medium and like it's a cool tool that could be absolutely blown apart with the 60 second story but uh, yeah i don't think yeah eric you look you got something rolling around i got something rolling around i you know some of this stuff is a little bit orwellian for me i mean it's a little too close to the memory hole it's a little too close to um i'm not sure it makes me it makes me uh sort of uncomfortable part of it the constant algorithm is uh you know the algorithm of it or i had a i had a very let's say let's say a close friend who was a really big writer in the TV industry okay talk about a particular place where they make TV where they um, they do it to the they, they they're giving notes to the writers because of the algorithm oh. which of course everybody knows yeah. makes for terrible stories <laughs> yeah. Because there's Have nothing you ever surprising. seen those like, yeah, right. It's like those scripts, those Batman scripts written by computers. <laughs> oh, yeah, those are. Yeah. <laughs> the Joker comes out of the Batmobile and eats Robin, like things like that start to happen. Like Right. You, it's like people's it worst. Ass. It's people's worst instincts as audiences kick in when these things come out and they think they're getting something good, but they're they're not. They're just getting something that's to the algorithm. So eventually it becomes dull because you don't learn anything. You're not seeing new forms and new people and new let, you know. let me throw this one out there just kind of bouncing off that idea popped in my head um the one of the reasons potentially that that storytelling is driven is because it is soulful it mm. replenishes mm. now when i like it, when playing D right um it it's not just the fact that i'm creating story with my friends is that kind of with that, what Phaedra, what you said too, that, that uh, it, there's, a, there's a medicinal kind of thing where, where just being participatory with these individuals, connecting on anything together, mm. um, given the pandemic that we're in, given the fact that we only see yeah. people through windows, mm. um, that, social media that cerebrally we can let that melt away and get back to that that soul connection. And I think that's what popped in my head when you said that, yeah, they can, they can, they can create a script, but there's nothing there. There's, there's no, there's no mana. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind I mean, of agree with you about the algorithm, Eric, but I will say it's, it's interesting when stuff pops out of that, like what some of the things that are cool and I'm not a huge fan of TikTok. I don't have it. There's all kinds of weird mm-hmm. shenanigans about it that I don't trust, but like the duet function is really interesting. Oh, what's that? Like, How does that work? I've never seen it. It's before. like a musician or someone will play a piece ah. and then another musician will come and play over with it. And then another one will come and join. So like, do you remember the sea shanties thing that happened yeah. like a couple oh, sure, of months yeah. ago, which was during the pandemic. I think people were like, I need something to do. I need to just. 
it, it's coming out of that need. I mean, like it's that need to like express or create and like, it, we were it was so squeezed out of us from the mm. pandemic, really, right? Like people had to just make do with whatever was around. And I think it allo- that lane, when it exists, allows for that expression. And that that part is good. But, I, you know, <clears throat> like that sea shanty obsession came out of that. Literally yeah. came out of people duetting like... The Billy of Tears was a sailor with a really grotty beard. And then someone else would like jump in on the next thing. Some someone played a violin over it. Someone, you know, collaboration part. You get the collaborative thing with strangers, which you we are sort of verboten of having, right? In this point of time. Well, at least here in this society, life finds a way. Bill, I didn't know you were joining the conversation. Let's bounce to because um, I love uh, from the educational technology side. Hmm. Uh, I love understanding how students learn so that I'm able to uh, develop a method of teaching to meet their needs. Right? You mm-hmm. know. Weirdly enough, I'm I'm constantly seeing parallel. We've talked about this with my other group, where I'm constantly seeing parallels in my reality to how I would interpret uh, a D and D game, mm. and and teaching wise all the time. Yeah, for me, it's it's like here's 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 this next campaign group. I I need to know these characters and their backstories so that I can help them with their story arc and be functioning with this grand story arc, which is completing this course. And mm. it, that just occurred to me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. It's you're like- You're listening, I'm, you're in dialogue. Yeah, that's a good and DM. I, I mean, and that's a style of DM. Like some people go, okay, that's a thing. You have a backstory, I don't care. Here's my world and you are in yeah. it now. Yeah. And like, as as a as a inhabitant of that world, I can I can guarantee you that my wisdom <laughs> score has gone up since I was twenty. <laughs> I mean, it's also a way of recognizing our flaws. Stories. Yeah, are. every four yeah. levels you get a ability. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't know. I don't know what level I am now, but it's 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 certainly not three. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to throw this one out to you guys because we're gonna. I, it'll probably bring back a whole bunch of D&D memories because I want to talk, Phaedra, you talked about this before, this idea of, of memory and, and feeling that you are part of what's going on. And from yeah. the neuroscience uh, aspect, you, you basically described without saying it, um, the idea of mirrored neurons. Yeah. And the easiest right. way to talk about mirrored neurons is for any guy who's out there, if you're watching um, some guy standing on a screen and then someone fires and then a football gets kicked to his in groin, the balls. Yeah, every, every guy right. Everybody. is, is oh. going to do that 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 yeah. like fetal kind of like you know clench kind of thing, right? And and that's or or when you see a slasher movie and you see it and you 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 immediately mm. defend yourself. That's your mirrored neurons firing off. So in um like D and D RPG or even like board game storytelling stuff, like you show me, you got Gloomhaven, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that that. I think that idea of, of a memory or something retained, because I remember 30 years ago campaigns in this episode, they call it episodic memory or mm. Um, mm. my favorite one is Sherlock Holmes in the mind palace that, that you need oh, right. yeah. to remember it. You, it needs to have context. It needs to have dimension. It needs to have characters, right? Mm. Yeah. 
um, or and elements that that are definitive and detailed that thread this whole story together. So saying that about the mirrored neurons being immersed into it and the idea of remembering stuff from, I mean, before we even start recording, we were accessing all of that. Um, throw out some of your favorite moments in regards to a storytelling game. or and I mean, specifically in your both your cases, it's all about D&D. And well, I am going to let that happen. I'm, I'm actually I want to speak to a couple of the guests that we've had on our on our show. This mm-hmm. is my daughter's Billie Eilish hat, although I've become a fan. I don't know what happened to me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, I can I can speak that like. We had, um, we had uh, from uh, Star Trek Discovery, we had Anthony Rapp on, you know, and, and, yeah. and, you know, Anthony had, had the, has a, an approach to story. He's, he writes as well, <clears throat> um, but he had an approach to story that's like from the point of view of an actor, um, you know, which I understand. Um, then Scott Gimple, who is the Uber, Uber, Uber guy, top guy at The Walking Dead. He kind of content all at Walking Dead, Dead. Yeah. yeah. Um, Scott came on and he talked about managing story from 10,000 feet and seeing the whole, the whole thing from Top view, the bird's eye view and the yeah. forest from the and trees. He also, he yeah, also talked about, he also talked about how to, how to tell, how to, how to help storytellers tell better stories. So like, I mean, I always go to the things, I always go to the things like in our game, Phaedra always surprises me. You know, I know I've sort of said that before, but, yeah. but, but it, it's it's it surprise left- myself to be honest. I'm just <laughs> yeah, like, it right. does. It does. What, what is the weirdest thing I can do here? I'm like, okay, yeah, that. And, and then he does <laughs> it, and you know, somehow maybe it's because we've all game together for so long, but the band has been together for four years, right? Yeah. Somehow, somebody, either me or one of the other players, will come in with something that's a perfect and inevitable fit for that. You and know, there was on a, it, right? It's like a yeah. good jam session in a band. It's when everyone's listening. It's when everyone's tuned in to everyone else, but also. And when everyone knows what the characters are, like we know from historic, from historically playing together, kind of what we've already established. And when someone breaks that, it kind of breaks the flow of the game, yeah. which is also interesting. Like, that's what I remember when characters act out of, remember that time Mardred was acting weird, like that kind of thing. I'm uh-huh. like, the, the, the stuff that isn't par for the course yeah. also winds expect. up standing out. Yeah. Surprising, I mean, act- again, what's surprising? What is what he's well, saying? And as an actor, Phaedra, I mean, Phaedra can speak to this too because he's a great Shakespearean actor, but like when Hamlet comes on, for the first 30 seconds, the way it's written and the way I think you should do it is give the audience the Hamlet they expect. Like give it all to them in the first 30 seconds. Once you've done that, like you can do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, the antic disposition will be interpreted a million different ways by, by a, a good storyteller, you know, so... I like, from my perspective, I love, as a DM, I love watching, like you said, we, the band's been- Hamlet's not my years. favorite. What is he, like a bard? <laughs> I can't figure out what his class is. Like, what is his- He's ooh, a whiner. Is it a, is it a <laughs> How would you stat Hamlet? Oh, wow. Okay, hold on. Well, he's a fighter. No, he isn't. Uh, yeah. Sword? Sword? No, he, so he has a sword. It doesn't mean he's a fighter. <laughs> you see him doing four attacks in a round? <laughs> no, no. He, he's he's a he's a he's a bard. He's a face man. He's he's a, a bard or like a rogue, an inquisitive rogue. Huh. Maybe. An inquisitive rogue is probably. Yeah? 
Yeah. I mean, he goes poking around his own his own family. His wisdom is about four. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I love I Angie. interrupted you. I'm sorry. I mean, well, that's all right. That's all right. right. But, um, but, you know, the, the, but, but to that same question, I, I took a writing class with Edward Albee once. Uh, I was very lucky. Um, and his whole thing was avoid the obvious and do the inevitable. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay away from the cliches, which is what algorithm ultimately leads you to and do what's inevitably going to happen in the story. And it's that sense of inevitability that drives us forward. You know, that the sense that we're all waiting for the for the big swing from the ship's mast for the pirate captain. Luke to and Vader them. are going to have that fight. They are. Gonna, yeah, they are always going to have that fight. The dragon is always going to meet the party, you know, like that's. Yeah. I'm a big fan sometimes of watching um, players in my campaign. Uh, my, my metaphor is grab the steering wheel, turn it one way and pull the emergency brake. Mm. Ooh. Because and then you see what happens. Oh yeah. Because all of a sudden it's like, Hey, I want to try this. Okay. Go ahead. Roll this. <laughs> let's, let's yeah. see where this goes. And I love that because like you just said in my head, I'm like, oh, well, they'll, they'll do this and they'll do this and they'll plan for this. And you try to prepare as much as you can as a DM, mm -hmm. but you can never prepare for that emergency break Rockford Files. Move, right? <laughs> there you go. I'm showing my, I'm showing my 50 something. Yeah. James Garner. Like yeah. what a great storyteller. De -de -de Maverick. Yeah. Um, uh, but that's, um, that, for me, that's where all my pivotal memories come from, because I mm -hmm. remember my university days in the 90s um, being, and again, this is AD&D second edition, uh, vividly the, where I remember where I was sitting, who, who was to my left, to my mm -hmm. right, and I had a rogue elf, and we were like deep into the dungeon and come around, come to the corner as a beholder. And uh, he, he said, and I had the dexterity. I mean, this is when you could do like the above 20 stuff. If, mm, if you Right. Know. And mm. uh, so they're like, well, what are you going to do? I'm jumping on him and I'm riding him like a, like a, you know, <laughs> Billy's bar Bronco. I'm hanging on to the, and I'm taking his night and I'm stagging, stabbing the main eye. And, and I kept, I kept rolling my save and the DM was, not liking it i was <laughs> i was cutting right i was cutting eyeballs off and basically by the time it was done i had i had peeled the whole it was basically here we go it's butchered for you you right? oh, wow right wow and uh and it's I, like unexpected right it's like this challenge rating super high thing and you're like nope flip, 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 flip. yeah <laughs> well and the dice had the dice not allowed me to do that right. i would have pulled the emergency brake and gone a different direction, right? Well, I mean, the thing, the thing to keep in mind is like, if you just pull the emergency brake over and over and over and over again, that becomes really predictable. You know, yes. a good story, and Phaedra's going to make a joke, a good story <laughs> is like a striptease. Hey, oh, you know? wow. I don't need, I don't, that's too obvious. I don't know. I mean, the, 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 but, but, but being, but, <laughs> nah, 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 yeah. no, yeah. I, I lied, but, I like you, the but you, you know, and, and then, yeah. and, and in that situation, it's, it's the anticipation that, that makes us lean forward. And, you know, in old time burlesque, you never got what you were expecting, but you got, you got close. Yeah. And that was enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? What she it was said. like, <laughs> But a good story should be like that. You don't like, I was actually really surprised. I watched the first two uh, things of Critical Role and I love it. I watched the first four actually, all in one night. And- and um, The recent they, season or like the first, first ever? The first cartoon. 
Oh, oh okay. yeah, 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 the, yeah, the Vox Machina. Vox and Machina, after the se- in the second episode, they managed to defeat a a black dragon, a big dragon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now I don't I don't know what level the char- the characters seem to be like level five or something like yeah. that, or maybe a little higher. From what I understand, and and I haven't listened to Critical Role enough to know if that's canon. You know what I you know what I mean? A um, lot of it is 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 threads of it come it, from their game, and then mm-hmm. the it's fast track is what I understand of, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But yeah. the aspect it's like they of, did this, but they speed it up in between sessions. So sort of, is what they're got doing. It. Like they well, did what, battle the big <clears throat> dragon, but it took them like like eight hours of ga- of game of live game gameplay. Time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they but what abstraction. They did a great there be dragons here thing by, you mm-hmm. know, that seeing that party at the beginning, we didn't know who the hell they were. <laughs> and you're like, oh, maybe I this is the cartoon. And immediately they're all taken out. Dead. Yeah. And you're like, dead, oh, dead, something dead. terrible lives here. This yeah. is horrible. Right. I love that intro. Yeah. yeah you know, that, but yeah. As that, a, as that was a, great. As a player, you're like, oh, you know. That's like, like the first party, the campaign rolls, and they get TPK <laughs> because they didn't yeah. win Max. You're like, yeah. okay, this, I'm rolling a barbarian. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I can speak to some other things mm-hmm. that are going on with board games, though. I mean, like, I used to play a lot of a lot of Risk and a lot of Stratego mm. when I was a kid. I don't know if you remember these games. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's new variations out now. Well, what's and, interesting you know, about those is you wind up creating the narrative in your head, right? Like, well, based you, on the game that happens. In 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 Stratego, I was the 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 general of a of a late 1800s army, and and mm-hmm. I was calling the shots. And that's a that's a power fantasy. Right? Unless you were using a bedpan, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Where's and, your dysentery? And the storytelling was so good. Where's I got the, the gout. syphilis? There's oh, no syphilis. No, I don't I get it. It's, there's it was, no realism terrible. in this. I've got Come Danny on, DeVito, give me more malaria. I've got Danny DeVito one foot over the cuckoo's nest in my head right now. So. <laughs> I'm sorry that happens with us. <laughs> yeah, it does. It really does. But, you know, I mean, storytelling is fascinating and there's all sorts of different ways to do it. I mean, it's just like bands and rock and roll yeah. and music. There's all sorts of different songs and styles and it's so exciting. And, you know, you have to open yourself up to, to traditions that are that are not familiar to you in order to in order to really understand the breadth and scope and wonder of humanity. It's so exciting. I think and now sometimes it's more you're in a jam now. session with like a theremin and an accordion and it winds yeah. up sounding pretty awesome somehow. pretty great yeah. well like if you allow it yeah i mean we wouldn't have met if it wasn't for me and phaser telling stories on a podcast norm i'm so so glad to finally yeah. meet you in person well the the yeah back at you for that one yeah <laughs> we could do a little quota um yeah. uh, the, as I opposed think, to an avatar you know yeah i think where uh i my brain clicked in and and uh, i love my theater like uh, that was probably in my 20s, the best, uh, not the best, but memorable moments, right? They're, they're definitely in the, in the album archives of doing Pinter on stage mm. and, and, you know, having those moments. And uh, when I heard you talking on Dragon Talk uh, about DMing style and your, your theater influence and background, right away, it just clicked. I'm like, the, he's saying exactly, like you, my frontal lobe was firing off Hmm. on on how paralleled uh our approaches are in regards hmm. to right that that and not just the storytelling part but the um the collaboration allowing other people to take something that i started and here you go it's it's mm-hmm. your turn to to hold on to the story and to yeah. let it grow for a little while and then hand it off to someone else and if it go if it 
If I need to intervene, I'll intervene, but you guys keep doing it. hand break. In the history of the universe, there's not a single person that made something on their own. Okay, like Steve Earle, he's, he's doing our play now. He's the music yeah. guy for our play, right? He's a musician. He made a song, but he didn't make, a, make the guitar. Yeah. You know, he didn't like make the steel to make the strings. Like that everybody mm -hmm. needs an assistant in their storytelling is standing yeah. on the shoulders of giants right yeah we, 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 we are standing on the shoulders of giants and we you know like that's part of it too you know that's part of the tradition i have a couple of mentors right now who are great storytellers I'm not going to drop any names but they're the best you, and you hurt just, your back you drop those names. yeah if i drop them no 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 um janitor will pick them up don't worry yeah but you know like these guys are legendary tv writers and i'm learning so much from them you mm -hmm. know and there's so much that i they've forgotten more stuff than i'll ever know about telling a good story yeah and you just like accept that except there's better people out there doing stuff than you and learn from them i mean you know like nobody's going to be matt mercer tomorrow yeah but well, after your ten thousand hours you know yeah maybe. and on on the on the flip I, flip side to that oh sorry phaedra go ahead Oh, I was going to take it back to, uh, I was take a left back turn to what we were talking about originally yeah. and like, you know, the origin of games and like, you know, even like the first story, it's in your notes, I think is Gilgamesh, right? Yeah. When you think about yeah. the first recorded story and like, what's that one about? It's about the, the, the struggle against death, ultimately. Mm. Mortality. Yeah. Mortality is like every it's almost every story it's like how do we deal with it what 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 do we do in the in the meantime what you know and they're thwarted in in that one right because the the snake i don't know the the snake goes into the well of eternity and drinks the water and that's why the snake sheds its skin but it's also like how we're explaining the world yeah uh-huh and, and what i like about i don't uh, i kind of drifted i went to, right, to no, a tangent so go, go ahead go back to what you were thinking and we'll, we'll go back to i'm i'm in yeah. the cornfield with you i'm digging yeah with a snake and gilgamesh yeah. so yeah. right <laughs> there was a lot of snakes back there we were fascinated with talking snakes apparently yeah mesopotamia yeah. was was rife with snakes yeah well hey, i mean again me. you know it, but it's taking the form of the thing that you fear right like snakes are very dangerous, you know? And so, you know, the thing, you take a little thing about something you fear, you put it in a story yeah, and it, and it magnifies the fear. So it's, it's not just a snake that we're all afraid Fish of. It gets bigger. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just popped it's in It's the fact that the snake mastered death or that one or figured that out or whatever. Mm -hmm. The, the, uh, again, the hmm. teacher always seeing uh, different facets of it. Um, does he, Throw this out there for you guys. Does storytelling initiate or or help respite? Because back to that whole idea, Phaedra, of what you were saying, that that life is hard. And sometimes we mm. just need to mm -hmm. immerse ourselves in order to have that. Well, it's both, right? right? It's almost like dreams are both rest and problem solving, right? They're like your brain is working something out with a story. Mm. Your Your brain is working something out internally and by empathizing with a character in a story, you're also working something out, but it is both restful and uh, extroverted kind of engagement, right? right? Like you put yourself in the situation and you're also like, uh, do, we, do, we, it in. do we provide ourselves that opportunity to heal as like, if we're telling mm -hmm. stories, is, is, is that part of the function is, is I'm trying to heal myself just as much as I'm trying to allow someone else to, 
to be a part of, of this dialogue or narrative. Well, my wife sure. describes story as an empathy machine. I think Phaedra referred to it earlier as that. And, yeah. and yeah. you know, and, you know, it mints empathy. So it is healing because nobody wants to suffer alone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's not, and it's not just like complaining to a friend, although that's a kind of storytelling too. Right. Um, you know, we're all the hero in that complaint, right? And this yeah. guy who, cut in front of me as an asshole. Well, yeah, but you've been the guy who's cut in front of people too, honestly. I mean, we no, all no. have. You're not my <laughs> father. Shut up. Exactly. You don't know me. <laughs> but, you know, I, I mean, I, I think it, I think it's a, I think it, I think it's a necessary pressure valve. It's one of the reasons that I've had such a hard time during the pandemic because I can't sit across from somebody and cross pollinate or, or be at a party where I can like, chicka, wicka, 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 tell <laughs> poor Crisco on the floor and let nature take its course. <laughs> That's that a different kind of cross pollination. <laughs> Bob, Bob just flew out of the kitchen at Mach too. Yeah. But right. you know, in, in terms of like being at a party, you get to have different stories with different people and you can be a new person each time. Yeah. Yeah. There's know. also, isn't there like a theory that like, every, like a lot of, this is kind of in psychotherapy and I'm kind of taking a dive to the couch, but like, you know, every relationship you're in, you're trying to recreate your core wound, your whole, uh, your, your initial trauma, and you're trying to heal it in a different way. You're trying to tell the story in a different way. I would say that every D and D character you play, you're trying to like work out the same problem or a, a similar problem yeah. in a different way. Like, what if I hack it this time? What if I sneak around and stab it? What if I shoot it with lightning? Like it's all, you know, research is me search. This is something that, that my girlfriend <laughs> has said to me and it's stuck. And it's like, it's, it's perfect for all of this uh, stuff. Uh, I love that. Yeah. And I'm writing I think that it, down. It, right. <laughs> research is, I think in some, in some way. Yeah. I think that there is a healing component to that because we are always like, whether in our own heads, retelling a same kind of story mm -hmm. or a same kind of loop and how we break out of it. And I think, What's interesting about D and D is because it's collaborative, it allows more randomization to happen to force you out of that. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe. I don't know. It's just the thesis I came up with right now. I, I think there might be daylight between but, I think, yeah. I, think there might, I think there might be daylight between me and Phaedra on this, but like one of the reasons I don't like first person shooters is I don't like the story it tells. Yeah. I don't you like, mean the violence part? The me part of it. Like at being least violent. With, at least with D and D, like it's my character who's doing it in the in the. Oh, in you the, mean I, like you're in there in that? Yeah, view. I'm. I'm oh, in this thing, and it, it's it. I and like, look, I personally don't feel like I want to become addicted to that story, and mm -hmm. I so I, I avoid it, you know, and and uh, you know, it's a it's a. The stories that I do want to tell are. The things I've always responded to are like things like Baldur's Gate. You know, I don't know if any, if you've ever played that video yeah. game, but it's a turn-based game where you decide what each of the characters is yeah. doing, and then you then you get to see it's how bigger. it all goes. It's a down. bigger scope. You mean yeah. it's the idea yeah. from like the Scott Gimple ten thousand view. Well, you're a, you're aspect. in that story. You're you're right. kind of a god. You're in yeah. a god's yeah point yeah. Of view, yeah god's you're you're viewing view. it from that way. Yeah. Whereas in the first-person shooter, you're in the in the driver's seat, and you're kind of like more. It's more personal. Difference between well, yeah. programming the movement and being in the skin. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. look, I've been an actor, so I've been in some skin. Uh, yeah. I know Phage is going to make a joke. Hey uh, <laughs> <laughs> Who hasn't? I've set foot in, in the skins of, of some real people and, and a lot of pretend people. Yeah. And, you know, I know there's safety in that for me. 
There's because I get to wear a mask and I get to say something that maybe I wouldn't get to get to say in life, you know, that maybe I were having to hold. So if you had that that same experience and it was third person, would it be different? That's that's why I loved so much being on the stage uh, Mm. is, is that fact that I got to explore ideas, thoughts that I Mm. as me, no way, no way would Mm -hmm. I even go there. But as a character, it's 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 prudent to me to to explore that, to see how this idea or 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 influence would. Yeah, no, I yeah, I love doing long improv or, or working on sketch ideas in regards to characterization. Yeah, well, I mean, I think they have to have a basis in something, which is this is a controversial take, but I'm I don't have a problem with the with the lawful neutral evil system. Yeah, with uh, you know I I like What's the nine. The, I don't understand. The, What's the, the controversy? The nine squares. Well, a lot of people feel it's reductive. You know. Oh, and, well, I see. You mean to have those. Uh, yeah, and and, labels it, at and all. it certainly can be. By a bad DM would make those things reductive. Oh, your character wouldn't do that because you're yeah. neutral evil or whatever, yeah. right? But but a, a, I like you how know, you do it as a spectrum and like you move a person into a different alignment eventually, and like there are consequences for that. In yeah, game, which is, I think, what is interesting also is the is this the mechanics is why we're all drawn yeah. to D and D. Is the mechanics are so well thought out and 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 laid out that they can like cover these complex questions or like it allows our brains you know, the room to like, okay, how do I solve this problem with these rules? It's just, it's a basis of character. You know, it's like just if for a, for an, for somebody who's never acted before, it's an easy way Mm. to slip on a point of view and say, oh, what's, well, what's chaotic neutral in this situation, you know, or what's, what's lawful neutral, you know, or law, I'm forgetting all my alignments now. Um, What's, you know, chaotic (laughs) neutral. How does chaotic good work in in this character? Yeah. Yeah. You know, interestingly enough, and, and, uh, just a past uh, session we had, there was that idea where one of my, w- Tim just kind of went, wait, wait, wait. You know, I'm not going to react that way because I'm, my guy's neutral. So as you guys fight it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's like, it's no skin, right? And right away, because he was, oh, I, you know, wanted to intervene. He's like, no, I got a soldiering background. No, pecking order. You guys figure it out, right? And I thought that was brilliant. It's just like, and again, on, on to the opposite note, where, where considering the context of the circumstances, he lost his lid and, and just, you know, did behaved in a matter that was, was evil-ish. Uh-huh. But I, from, from my idea, it's like, we all, we all push that. We all shift, yeah. 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 Now, that's when you become murder line, hobos that's that different. you got to worry about. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you should see what kind of, I become a, I become, well, I actually change classes when somebody hassles me in New York. Like, I mean, if somebody like really like, like, get, like is violent or gives me a hard time or whatever, I become a completely different person. Um, and I mean, so in that way, what's, what's the multi-class dip you're dipping into like barbarian, a lot barbarian. of fighter, a, a lot of barbarian, a lot of barbarian. 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 Yeah. You're a barbarian. I thought, thought it'd be yeah. like rogue assassin. <laughs> and I mean, I'm talking about things that I can't handle handle peacefully that no Buddhist story attaches itself to, like <laughs> the guy throwing the bagel at my head from two feet away, you know. Buddha's having <laughs> a nap right Nobody's now. Nobody's died from bagel injuries. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh. I nearly did. 
Okay, all right. It was the everything bagel. There were sharp it was, corners. It was, it was the everything bagel. That <laughs> that's a finesse be, weapon. We need to that's, make that's, that. That's sneak and, attack damage. And I am making that next in my in my D and D Beyond program. I it was making... the flax seeds. The piercing damage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but also like it's like, oh, I want it to be a healing potion. It's an everything bagel. It's <laughs> yeah, right. It's whatever you want. <laughs> and it's a Brillo pad. Oh god. <laughs> um. Uh, Let's let, let's round this out, and I'm gonna just throw out some some ideas, and you guys bounce it around, kick it around. But uh, the first one, it's that whole philosophical thing from you know left right. Uh, does experience happen because of storytelling, or does storytelling happen because of experience? Okay, picking a egg kind of thing. Yeah, uh-huh. like yeah. Like more, what, more in some situation, thing, right? I would say experience points happen from storytelling. <laughs> storytelling doesn't happen from Don't experience points. Uh, uh, you know, I small think Midwestern it's... college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah, fluid. what do you guys think? It's for me, it's fluid and uh, it, it sort of weaves between one and the other. We're always telling you ever have a story that your parents tell you about your childhood that you don't really <laughs> remember, but you kind of remember because you've been told the story so many times. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. you remember the picture that they're referring to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. Or you remember some detail or something yeah. that's in there, but like nothing else. And you're like, OK, if you say so, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that's but- basically my first 20 years of therapy, Phaedra. Thank you. <laughs> That's my first 30 years of life. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> so experience. Uh, I love him. Love you guys. <laughs> All right. Uh, but I think it's like, it's, it's sort of a bit of both. I think you're told stories about yourself that become you. And then you tell stories to yourself mm-hmm. that, that are also maybe not the experience themselves. You know what I mean? That's the spell Jean-Paul Sartre there. Yeah, really? You were talking about Malcolm Gladwell. I had to look that guy up on Wikipedia. Wow. Oh, He's done a lot of stuff. Well, I knew the one book. I knew the 10,000 hour thing, but but he fires. Yeah. 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 We should have him on. I wonder if he plays D&D. We should have him on Bard Quest Empire. I'm sure he is, but I'm sure he's also too big for us. He's like, what? (laughs) That would be a get, right? Challenge him to a fight, Phaedra. Uh, I, we're, we're working on Tom Bagel Hanks. Fight. We're still working on Tom Hanks. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe we can get that first brawl out of the way. Everything bagels yeah. at noon. Everything bagel at 20 feet. Yeah. Exactly. Get that exactly. little They have a range of 60, but you know, we're in. doing it at 20. So <laughs> and then you can move. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let's round this out. Um, as far as gaming goes, I mean, we talked about the need and the importance of storytelling and, and what drives it. Um, as far as gaming goes, uh, storytelling, uh, I think for me, at least back to that thesis statement, for you guys, why do you think now that a lot of, a lot of the memorable moments of gaming are, are driven by the, you know, hey, you remember that time when, right? Because I've often mm-hmm. said with, with the Euro games, and the Euro games are a lot about resource. It's like Excel spreadsheet, the game sometimes, right? right. Yeah, and yeah, I've, yeah. And I've, like, never, I've never gone to yeah. someone going, hey, remember when I cashed in that red cube and I got four yellow cubes? Whoa, that was intense, hey? That right. was a move, right? Yeah. It's that hard to attach move. more of a story to I it. I got four it's victory hard to atta- points, yeah. Yeah, right. So, well, you know, I mean, I think the most yeah. I've ever been open to story is when I visited my old high school after 10 years of being away. 
Like I did like, seriously, the carpet was a different color, Yeah. yeah. but like all of the smells and senses that I had and the sense of being in the space and stuff, all these stories started to flood back. And, you know, the, I think the, the key to being a vivid storyteller is to, is to, you know, utilize those things, utilize the five senses when you tell a story or try to convey something to somebody, you know, listen, you know, listen, because the thing that you're going to, the thing that you're going to respond to is, is infinitely better than your idea, you know? Cool. Um, but I mean, I mean, like, so the, with the high school thing, I was responding to a lot of things, but I changed a lot since then. And I saw things in a new perspective. I mean, that's the other thing about stories. Like you can go back mm. to a story many times. Can't tell you how many times I've watched Captain America. We're watching it again. And, and, and like a good, with a good story, it's like a good play. You'd see new things, you know, you see, you have see different motivations, things you hadn't seen before, you know? So. Yeah. Feature. I mean, I think it's always about like what's cool, right? Like the thing that 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 sticks for me in terms of like our campaign or even like the the stories about like okay that that night we had an awesome show when we were doing what what was it about X that popped. You know, yeah. it's usually um something about being open to it whether you're improvising at a D&T table or or being on stage in front of people or or being interrogated uh, on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> They're being interrogated on the back of the immigration jail. I wasn't, I wasn't even near that guy, man. But no, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, what, I'm sorry, hang on. No, uh, go ahead. One, one of the things that like in Eric's game, the things that, Hey, you remember the things that make me go, Hey, you remember when it's when I, when I succeed spectacularly or fail spectacularly. Mm. Right. Yeah. And they kind of like, <clears throat> it bookends an experience in a way. Yeah. And, and, oh, remember that time I almost died and, and Marjorie had to like, and I was like one hit point away. Or you remember that time I stole that guy's underwear while he didn't notice? Like, that's the kind of stuff that like Threshold also winds up defining the character too, in a way, or defining the, 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 the direction I take him in, certainly, because I was like, oh, that was really cool. I want to do more of that. So I mm. put more points into it. And just naturally that creates a developmental thing, right? Right on. Anyway, yeah. Sorry, Eric. I no, I, 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 I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think it's, I think it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's like really nice to talk about it. I mean, people don't, there's, there's an endless amount of, you know, the hardest thing about interviewing somebody really is just finding out what kind of storyteller they are. And as we go along, you know, I, I think Phaedra and I are getting better and better at figuring that out, you know, um, being our first year and everything. But, you know, I, you know, some, some, some people you just like, you know, we recently had a guest on who was a spoken word poet. Yeah. And it's just like, ask Alfie, a question great. and let them go. Like it's, there's, there's not a lot of interjections with somebody who's used to holding the stage like that, you know? Um, or but, when we had Mike Daisy on, who is a monologuist, we, yeah, it was kind of interesting. Like he just had a, almost an hour worth of material to mm. just like go off of. And right. it, it's, it's really about making room for that or leaving space for that to happen being like, okay, this is what's happening now. How do I facilitate or shape it or guide it? Whether you're a DM or a player or a, yeah. or a, or a storyteller. Run a, or run a, run a, a, run a room for a TV show. You know, I mean, it's all the yeah. same thing. Yeah. It's all the same thing. It's all Peter Brook. It's the empty space. There's an empty space. We're going to fill it with something. Everybody's going to come walk 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 that's where we started and yeah. uh, <laughs> full circle. I think that's James that's uh that's Campbell. 
come well, full circle. The uh, full, um, speaking of full circle, uh, we I, I could go on for hours because I'm just having so much fun. Well, we got to do this again sometime. Yeah. Maybe maybe for yeah, another season. Really come good. on well, again. I really enjoy much, talking to you, Norm. Yeah, you too. How yeah. Thanks for guys, having us. Uh, I'm gonna give a bump to yourself and your and your podcast. Um, uh, where people can find you on Twitter or. No, great. Uh, uh, we're Bard Quest Empire. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, all the podcast mediums. Uh, we talk about storytelling and D&D, kind of like we did today. A lot of times it's just like this. It's a lot of uh, friends bantering and, and talking smack and making jokes. Uh, we have a good time. We think you will too. Uh, Eric, do you remember our Bard Quest yeah. E on Twitter? Is that yep. right? Yep, and on, on, uh, on Instagram, it's bardquest underscore empire. Um, and and, and uh, we, we're probably launching a Patreon. Look for that uh, soon. And mm -hmm. uh, we got season two coming. We're really excited. We already have some episodes in the can, but we're both getting kind of busy. So it might not launch till what did we say? April? Till spring. Yeah, it's going to, it's going to, yeah, season two is going to happen from April. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Renewal. Renewal. That's Campbell too. Renewal. Right? We renewed ourselves. That's how it works. <laughs> well, I, I can't thank you enough, uh, um, Phaedra, Eric. Uh, this uh, this has been fun thanks yeah um so th yeah thank you so much yeah and thanks and you know like uh, you know if like let us know if you show up in new york or something you know i I'll, you got tickets to a, a play if it's still happening yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is supported by the incredible team at breakout escape and board game lounge here in saskatoon Using industry-leading technology, Breakout Escape escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team to ensure their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Board Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. Hey, welcome back. That was so much fun. That was such a great discussion. And we're at that point of the show where I say thank you so much for listening to what goes on on this podcast. And that being said, I'm your host, Norm, and we'll catch you later. This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek Guild number 3039. <laughs>